Hello, I'm Brad. And I'm Jason. You are listening to Dice, Dice in, in My Mind. I almost wish that um, I had finished our next guest's book before you and I did our uh, gaming, because I think it would have yeah. made our um, gaming experience more interesting for us and maybe actually potentially listenable by our five listeners. Well, now, so, what book are you referring to? Yes. So since this is since uh, um, I don't want to skip too far ahead, um, Keith Amon, who we have had on here before. Yes. Um, is joining us to talk about how to defend your lair. The, the, and the, the it is fourth a book one. that comes out, yeah. the fourth one. It comes out tomorrow, the 29th yes. of November. Mm-hmm. We were very mm-hmm. lucky. Um, we yeah. talked with his publicist, Cassidy Sattler. Yep. Yep. And she provided us uh, early release copies. Yeah, thank you so, so much for that. So Brad and I had the the true joy of, of reading uh, Keith's latest book, before the release date and before we actually spoke with Keith. Um, and yeah. and so you're going to hear that in a, in a few minutes. We're going to keep this short because we want to get straight into it because this, this fourth book in the Monsters Know What They're Doing series, I guess now, is, I mean, it's, it's, it's really rather fascinating. And you'll, you'll hear this in the, in the interview that this one really transcends just playing D&D. But so you were saying that. So go back to that, Brad. Yeah, I was just gonna. I was just gonna say that that you know he you'll he, when we talked to him, I found it fascinating that he's really writing this to go even beyond five e, way beyond um, yeah, way beyond five e, and that's what really. And when we were reading it, we even talked about this in mm-hmm. the context of using this in the realm of, for example, Star Wars. Oh man, yes. So. Um, we were we again very lucky that um, we were able to get an early release copy from mm-hmm. Saga Press, who is yeah. um, publishing this. Yeah, and we've had a good fortune of having Keith on before, and very lucky to be able to talk to him before um, the book releases. So. Yeah, we really appreciate the fact that Keith spent time with us again. Um, I mean, let, let's let's face it. Uh, these are just good people, like so many people with whom we talk because of this podcast. We're still a small podcast. We're trying to gain traction, but you know what? What did Keith say? I think we were the fifth podcast interview yeah. he'd done pre-release, and you know, we're. I mean, he he's been talking to some big ones. Just the fact that he was willing to spend time, and and you know, we won't get into it, but the post-interview discussion, as is often the case, was even more interesting. Then the interview discussion, right? We, what, we, yeah, what we talk about this a lot. To say off the record, yeah. yeah, yeah. The interview itself is fascinating and phenomenal. And um, traditionally, we talk a little bit before, but we tend to talk a little bit more afterwards as mm-hmm. we wrap up. Mm-hmm. And yeah. um, just the just whole thing. he is a he is a he's a tome of knowledge. Oh, th- thank you. I was going to say it's like yeah. encyclopedia, but tome is yeah, yeah. Tome is the best way to put he it. He really is. Now, before we head over there, because don't you think we should just head over there, Brad? That's yeah. I think um, there's no more needs to be said on my part. Just, just three words to whet your appetite listening to this: detection, deterrence, very good, and response. Detection, deterrence, and response. I will never be able to think of role playing campaigns adventures planning um even pc actions the same way again think and and think about anything we're talking to watch the news you know and talking about i hate to say it Mm -hmm. or or anything like that yeah and and then in the context of all the research he's done i I was just gonna say because this yeah he really he really really dug deep all right without further ado then uh we are thrilled to bring you our second and very current interview with uh author and all-around good guy keith Amon on his latest book how to defend your lair uh dropping published for availability for purchase tomorrow as this episode drops Keith Amon has been a Dungeons & Dragons player and DM for more than 30 years. 
He has been writing his 5th edition D&D focus blog, The Monsters Know What They're Doing, since 2016. He lives in Chicago. All right, well, Keith, uh, thank you so much, so much for joining us again to geek out about yet another one of your books. Thank you for inviting me. Um, yeah, I was looking right before, right before Brad and I jumped on to record with you. I had this thought, it doesn't feel like a long time since your first ones came out. And I checked, and it's... It, it, so the monsters know what you're doing, right? More monsters know what you're doing. My personal favorite, Live to Tell the Tale, just because as a, as a player, that was just uh -huh. the downright most helpful. And now How to Defend Your Lair, that's all between 2019 and 2022? Yeah. That's intense. <laughs> Four books in three years. I mean, I don't think about that very often, but um, yeah, I guess that I guess that is a pretty brisk pace. Well, I mean, given that two of them are tomes, I, I mean, it's not like they're plot based. There's so much research that had to go into those. But but one thing you had to understand. But one thing you have to understand about that is that I began the monsters know what they're doing the yep. blog in 2016 and right. so um that both that and more monsters know what they're doing were essentially compiling material i had mm. written already okay. and um um live to tell the tale I mean, I, there there was revision involved and there was editing involved, but yeah, but yeah. the the meat of the writing had already been done. Live to tell the tale um, was an expansion and revision of an ebook that I had already written and self published, okay, um, and just you know really uh, enlarged and polished up for mm -hmm. the trade market. Mm -hmm. How to Defend Your Lair is the first one that I have researched and written truly from scratch. Neat. Um, and it kicked my butt. <laughs> <laughs> it's, uh, it's, it's the reason why the blog went on an unintentional 13-month hiatus, because sure. I was just completely tied up in the writing of, the, of this book. Um, I apologized sincerely to all my readers for that that 13 months of dead air yeah but um but yeah this one this one took a lot out of me um but people seem very happy with the results so i'm happy i mean it's certainly i'm a little biased but i think it's a fair trade-off i mean reading so so the good people at saga press your publisher they were kind enough to send us advanced copies to read and review and and oh my god i mean the amount of detail, historical detail, like actual history. I I would read it and I'm not sure, you know, people will see this as they read it, but I I would often feel like, oh, so this is what it must have been like to be in the Middle Ages. Like literally, like there's so much detail. I mean, I'm it makes sense. I'm kind of glad to hear it was consuming because I was I would read and I would think, how could you effortlessly do something like this? It is so <laughs> no, really. Oh, and the answer is yeah. no, I could not effortlessly yeah, do okay. something like that. Yeah. Man, it's because it is it is absolutely <laughs> fascinating. I enjoyed reading it almost more as an historical document than a DD related document. It was really pushing multiple buttons for me. Well, one of the things about how to defend your lair is I tried to get away from what I did with the first three books, which was to be exclusively focused on fifth edition D&D. This time, fifth edition D&D is, is the backbone of it. All of the examples I mm -hmm. give mm -hmm. are 5e, uh, use the 5e system. A couple yeah. of chapters are 5e specific. Yeah, yeah. But the principles that I'm introducing are broadly applicable if you're playing any kind of system in which you're trying to convincingly portray a world in which you know cause and effect exist yeah right um then then you can use a lot of what's in here yeah and not just in in fantasy I right. mean, I, I mean, I, this is, no, this I think is, it would be very good for, for cyberpunk, for sci-fi big time. Um, yes. yeah. You know, for, for uh, historical, um, 
even superhero if you wanted to oh, there's yeah. there's a lot um there's a lot of different genres that you can that you can use these same ideas in so why why keith this topic did was this a perceived need was this an itch to scratch it was partly an itch to scratch um i had a few ideas percolating around in my head and uh one of them was to take a kind of throwaway article from the blog uh, called Thoughts on Building Encounters. It was from 2017. Mm-hmm. Um, and I had just been kind of stream of consciousness talking about uh, defensible space and, and you know what kinds of monsters go with what other kinds of monsters. And, and I thought this is probably something I could expand on a lot. And uh, at one point, I just kind of threw open a poll on Twitter and said, what are people most interested in seeing yeah. next? And yeah. how to defend your lair um, was a solid leader on that. And wow. so um, so I went with it. You wow. know, I, I answered the call and and, uh, and and went with that. And it's been a terrific learning experience for me as I have done this, you know, deep dive into all of the different questions that I would want to have Mm -hmm. answered if I were Mm -hmm. designing a well-defended lair. Yeah. It's, it's, I mean, it's, that's interesting. It's an intense read in the sense of just the sheer amount of information you pack into so few pages, especially I'm thinking like that first, it's not quite the first half, but that first half where it's, truly the guidance um it's it's a ton it's it's interesting you said that about the different genres because and this is my bias but reading through it i know i kept thinking okay this is perfect for star wars i I mean i really seriously right especially especially the old d6 from from west end i mean it's like this is perfect like because like you said the the notion of a layer, and you, I think you set it up really well because you do say, look, this can be agnostic essentially, right? You can use this in any, in any avenue, if you will. You just, the principles are the same. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I even, even with me looking at and kind of uh, goofing around with the new one ring series, I could see how it would apply just as well. Cause there's like even solo. I, I, by reading that, I could actually see myself being kind of a world building junkie um oh wouldn't that be a great thought experiment how does elrond defend rivendell (laughs) that would be a fantastic (laughs) thought experiment like to think about all of the different ways that that he could do that well i mean my thinking is if sauron had your book frodo and (laughs) sam would never have had a chance because it would have been like well damn it i screwed up on this chapter right i mean he clearly didn't follow your guidance <laughs> should have had should have had a few more orcs watching the uh the backstairs. <laughs> so actually I I will say can't that, leave I mean, it all to a big spider. No, not, that's right. Yeah. But no. but you do get into that level of detail. I mean that's what that's what really one of the things that really stood out to me of you know you you read through this and it's like oh I never thought of that. I never thought of that. And I know you said you know you were asking yourself okay what would you really need to know what would you want to know. But then it's like all of these second thoughts of and don't forget You've got X, Y, and Z. Um, yeah, I like like reading the other books. I thoroughly enjoyed that, but like I could walk away from them and think, okay, you know, pause for the evening, and it's like, yeah, that was interesting. That 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 gets me going. This one, I would find I had to process for a while. Like I'd read it, and I just have to get a little bit of time so I I could see all of these things you were explaining. Like, how does this actually work in practice? Because again. I kept thinking to myself, it, this this wouldn't even have to be gaming oriented. It just makes so much sense. What what kind of research did this entail for you? I mean, yeah. did, you you said you it took a lot out of you. Mm-hmm. Why? Like what what, what um, was the path? Well, partly partly one of the reasons it took a lot out of me is because some of the material was extremely difficult to find. Huh. Um, it was extremely difficult, for instance, to find material on Arctic warfare. Um, yeah. that was, that was crazy hard to find. Um, and, uh, and, and what was extremely frustrating is that I would, you know, do some online research and I'd find, Oh, this guy knows all about this stuff. He is absolutely the person I should talk to. And then I would try to reach out from him for to him and get nothing. 
Ugh, yeah. Never got back to me. And, um, you know, so I'm like trying to find some, you know, second best and man, it was just so, so difficult. Um, and I kept running into that because this was a pandemic book. I was oh, writing yeah. this shut oh. up in my home under quarantine. Right. Um, and, uh, using whatever resources I could get from the Chicago public library system, which okay. turned out to be quite a bit. Yeah. And the University of Illinois at Chicago Library, <laughs> which was not much. So, um, you know, I mean, and just the, you know, ordering things into my local branch library, mm -hmm. rush in, grab them, rush out and, you know, yeah. peruse it all at home. Um, and uh, so basically, if if the Chicago Public Library didn't have it and if I couldn't mm -hmm. find it online... I was out of luck. So, um, but, but I, I mean, I got some amazing stuff, you know, there was, there was a whole textbook from the American Institute of Architects on building security. Um, you know, various, very, I, I, I just went ahead and bought a couple of U S army manuals on mm -hmm. offense and defense. Okay. Um, and uh, and and some incidental reading that I was doing at the time uh, snuck in there too. Um, things that I was just reading for my own personal reasons, and it turned out there was some little nugget in the book, and I thought, okay, this applies to what I'm writing. It should go in, and and nice. just by pure happenstance, I got some some valuable knowledge from that 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 I went ahead and put into the book, um, read up a lot about castles, despite the fact that a castle and a lair are very much two different things. Yeah. Um, castles are very public. They are at least nominally run for the benefit of an entire region. Yeah. Um, there's a lot of porosity between yeah. a castle and the community around it. A castle is not built to defend against its immediate surroundings. It's built to defend its immediate right. surroundings. Um, whereas a lair is very personal, very private, mm -hmm. potentially very secretive. Um, you don't want to draw attention to a lair. A castle is right. conspicuous consumption. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, but that being said, if you are looking at a fantasy setting that is essentially rooted in late medieval early renaissance technology castles represented the state of the art of right, right. defensive architecture in that period of time and so um you know they all this architecture that we associate with castles and you know we don't even really think about it, what it was for, but we can all picture it perfectly. Mm -hmm. All of it was specifically designed to solve particular right. problems um, regarding defense, and yeah. so um, every every single one of those architectural features had a specific function. Yeah, and um, you know when you think about those functions then you can begin to say, well, okay, given some of the expanded capabilities in this fantasy world, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. what are some other ways to solve this same problem? Um, or what are ways in which I can enhance this solution? Yeah, it's, I, I will say the, 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 what you just said, the whole section on, the design architecture logic of castles. That was my favorite. Uh, I thought that was, I, you know, I've only been to a few. Uh, we're going to see another one this winter break. And, you know, little bits I knew, but it, it was kind of like this little masterclass in castle design, which I, I'm, and I'm, I'm not kidding, which I really, I really like. I remember back in college, um, one of my favorite courses was biblical archaeology. Right, and I didn't. I, I I thought maybe I would minor in archaeology. Never got there, but but in that class we spent some time talking about you know the the design of 
of you know walls um it's you know, it, no castles but defensive structures you know thousands of years ago and um and i loved it and then reading your book it was interesting because you do refer to some of that but but it was fascinating to me how the same principles ostensibly carried over for 2000 3000 years right this yeah. the same design you know the same design logic of okay we want to pin them we want to redirect them we want to keep them in or out i just the, mm -hmm. the specificity with which you explained all that i really found engaging i mean fun to read it too for the sake of playing but <laughs> but i really the whole castle layer discussion but then then you go on and like it's kind of like well this would be a natural point to stop and then you go on and like you mentioned arctic defense you then go through all of these types of terrains you know one at a time and identify how they have unique requirements. Right, and you know, some of them are, some of those requirements are actually not really that steep. Grassland right. layers, hill layers. Mm. This is, you know, you build a layer in one of these areas and it's basically gonna look like a castle because yeah, right. that's the kind of terrain yeah. castles were built to defend. But then once you get into other sorts of layers, they start to look very different. And, um, you know, what you said about, about the basic forms holding true from the beginning of time, one of the first principles I discuss uh, in the book is one that I got from Security Planning and Design, the AIA book, um, which is that basically um, you have three components in, in every uh, kind of defensive plan. Mm -hmm. You need detection, deterrence, yeah. right. and response. Mm -hmm which incidentally is what those three little goblin kids on the cover represent. If you look at them. Oh, um, I didn't pick that up. <laughs> oh, oh, I got it. I got it right here. That's what I, <laughs> Yeah. So, um, and, and if you just look at your very most basic primitive castle, the Mott and Bailey, you've got your detection deterrence and response right there. You've got detection in the form of the, the tower keep mm -hmm. you've got, uh, deterrence in the form of the wall and the moat and you've got um response in the form of the garrison right and and no matter how much castles evolve you still always have those exact same three things the towers move from the keep to the wall the walls get higher and thicker and the gates get more complex sometimes their geometry uh gets more interesting um the response moves from lots of dudes with pointy things to lots of dudes with things that go bang mm -hmm. but it's mm -hmm. still all detection deterrence and response yeah even even when you get from bang to pew pew I mean, it, it, the principles presumably are truly timeless, right? Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. I mean, you, you, you always need those three things. Yeah. And you always need them for the same reasons. Right. The only thing that differs is the geography and the technology. Okay, and, so... whether, and whether or not you have magic, which, you know, is really just another kind of technology. Yeah, that's, that's, a, neat way to, that's a neat way to conceptualize that. that so... Okay, I've got it. It's kind of a Brad question. So Brad, I'm going to take this. I know the kind of questions you want to ask, but I got to ask this one. So Keith, having written this, having done all this research, do you use any of it in play for yourself? Have, have you played recently? I have played, um, but I've mostly played out of published material. Yeah, I have not had the opportunity to do a lot of homebrew. I had begun a homebrew campaign and then uh, one of my players had to go on hiatus because she had to take care of childcare while her partner yeah. was uh, doing some advanced yeah, uh, studies. So, um, so the, I basically have a main group that is six players, including this player. And when this player is not available, the other five uh, for a while did Curse of Strahd. And mm. now we're uh, now we're using that same group of characters in Monty Cook's Darkest House. So it's still it's still published stuff. Yeah. Um, 
but uh, would I use it? Oh, heck yeah, I would. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. And I, uh, at Game Hole Con um, last month, I yeah. ran uh, several of these layers as, as one shots, as a demo for the book. Oh, cool. Um, and had a lot of fun doing that. All that. I assume it was pretty well received. Mm -hmm. Yeah. People liked it. Okay. So turning this a bit on its head. I'm assuming the answer is yes, but I'm curious about the details. A player who's read this, right? Someone who's not particularly interested in GM, how could they use this? Seeing they as use not... it to well, there are two two things. They can yeah. use it to design their own stronghold. Number yep, one, yep. and number two, um, they could use it as basically a way to simulate breaking and entering expertise yeah. you know if yeah. you have have mm -hmm. someone who's like playing a rogue mm -hmm. um a thief or an inquisitive and they are your expert on breaking and entering um mm -hmm. and they can be the one who will say you know just like the ranger is the one who knows all about nature right you know mm -hmm. everything that happens in the woods you ask the ranger first or maybe you ask the barbarian anything to do with magic you ask the wizard anything to do with how to break into this fortified compound yeah you ask the rogue and the rogue will mm -hmm. tell you okay these are all the things we can expect to encounter along the way yeah these are the things we have to figure out how we're going to get around. Man. For your for your creative process with this, obviously you said this is a very different type of of it's a different type of book than what you've been writing previously. Was the creative process different? And and I know we talked about research and everything like that, but when you really kind of sat down and was was doing the writing, did it feel different to you? Did it? Oh yeah, I mean it was it was it was very different. It was it was more akin to the kind of writing I used to do, um, which was journalism and then mm -hmm. academic writing. Mm -hmm. The thing about the monsters know and more monsters is that's just me sitting down and analyzing something that's right there in front of me from, from a book I own, you know, it's mm -hmm. analyzing a stat block and figuring out the implications of the stat block and I don't have to do research for that. Um, live to tell the tale. It's it's the same thing. It's going through the player's handbook and supplementary books like Xanathar's and saying, okay, what are the implications of this? How does this work in practice? It's analytical. Um, but for this, I had to go out and find answers to questions I didn't already know the answers to, and, and it required a lot more, um, a lot more legwork, um, you know, some actual interviewing, um, yeah, yeah. and um, and and discovery, and yeah. you know, and all and that the uh, and it, and it was uh, and it was a lot less linear. Like I tend to analyze a stat block from top to bottom yeah. every once in a while i'll 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 deviate and like lock in on something and and take note of that first and then construct the rest of my analysis around that one focal point um but for this it was a lot of jumping around a lot of carving and polishing um and uh you know a lot of well I'm stuck on this part right now because I can't find the material that I know I need. So I'm just going to stop and work on something else for a while. The other thing is those other books are all me. Um, in this one, I have to give a lot of credit to the cartographers I worked with because for the design of the layers, what I did is I conceptually figured out what these layers were going to need to include um, and, and wrote up specs. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, and every once in a while, you know, I would like maybe scribble out a little uh, uh, rough sketch um, and overall like very yeah. loose plan. Yeah. And then I would give that to one of the cartographers and say, give me this. And so a, a lot of those layers um, 
come from from them um you know from the way they interpreted my explanation of what the layers needed and then i would review it and say um mm, okay we need to we need to change this here we need to yep. beef this up here yep. you know um and then we'd we'd go through a couple of iterations of that mm -hmm. um it generally didn't take more than three or four iterations before we had a really good final product yeah um, but yeah. um yeah dungeon baker chloe bolland fernando salvaterra and um reclusive cartographer they uh, they contributed a lot to this book and and deserve a lot of the credit and i uh, i give links to their work in the back of the book mm -hmm. if, if mm -hmm. anyone out there is working on a project and uh needs some good map makers hit them up and the cartography really is lovely i mean it's really it's first rate so you you know you had you had assistance that's the wrong word for it but you had assistance you know you had the magic of this cartography offered to and you. it's assistance yeah i mean yeah. it's collaboration well, I, don't, I, I don't want to i don't want to minimize it right i mean mm -hmm. the just just how much they did here but in terms of the research you didn't have an assistant this was this was all you yeah yeah a lot of legwork <laughs> i mean well, you've you, you've obviously it's coming out here um very shortly um, do you have, yeah, yeah, without, without, obviously I'm not looking for, I'm not looking for spoilers, but, no, no. um, do you have other things on your desk that you're thinking about going forward in terms of additional <sighs> books or material? I, um, <laughs> um, I am trying very hard right now to figure out what I'm going to do next. Um, I do have a um I do have a project I'm working on for the DMs guild. Um but I would consider it a side project. It's yeah. it's just a bunch of subclasses basically mm -hmm. that I'm working on. You know, I I recently on the DMs guild I published the druid circle of the cryptid subclass. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um which uh I was I was pretty proud of. And uh, a lot of people like that. Um, and I've come up with a bunch of... I have some other subclass ideas. Or I should say I had some other subclass ideas. But they were too short to publish on their own. Like, uh, you know, the, the, the ones I've done before, uh, Oath of Deliverance, Paladin, Circle of the Cryptid, Druid, they're pretty meaty. Um, but like a bard subclass or a rogue subclass, those don't really fill up a page. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, it's mm -hmm. hard to say you should pay me a dollar 99 for this. <laughs> um, and, uh, so, so I thought, well, okay, I'll just come up with as many of these as I can bundle them together in a nice big package yeah, nice. and, and, and put them out that way. Um, so I'm working on that, but beyond that i'm i'm not sure i'm looking for direction yeah that's fair well and i wonder and it's and it's tough because you know um with the changes that are likely coming to D, &D yeah. in 2024 yeah. um trade publishing is slow and um and and i got blindsided by monsters of the multiverse coming out like i literally found out that monsters of the multiverse was coming out the week after i had submitted my third proof of more monsters <laughs> at that point there was nothing i could do to change it so yeah. you know after the fact mm -hmm. i went on the blog and i said okay if you're using monsters of the multiverse these are the things that change wow um which fortunately was not a huge portion of the book. Mm -hmm. Like there, there were a lot of things um, that I suggested that were no longer possible. Um, but typically the changes to the tactics tended to just be slightly subtractive. There were hmm. only, um, I don't know, maybe only uh, a sixth of the tactics actually really had to change significantly. Mm -hmm if that um 
but I've published those changes at themonstersknow.com. Yeah, so nice. anyone who um, anyone who got more monsters and is also using the stat blocks from uh, Monsters of the Multiverse, go to the blog. Yeah, uh, nice. They're all there under the Multiverse tag, and and that's out there for free. That's, that's we'll have we'll make sure we obviously we yeah, have the blog absolutely. the blog in our show notes yeah. too so yeah. yeah but so you know but the the thing is like could I write a third one of those at this point not with any confidence that it wouldn't be obsolete by the time it came out so yeah. I have to just kind yeah. of wait and watch yeah with respect to that but also you know I want to uh, I want to branch out a little bit um try some other things work with some other people i mean yeah. work with other people <laughs> not just not just you know uh, um not not just a few freelance cartographers who i'm i'm paying for their contributions but like you know um actual co-authors and co-developers yeah um you know stuff that's that's truly collaborative from start to finish um would be a lot of fun yeah, I, I don't want to put you on the spot here, so feel free to ignore this. But would you ever consider? I mean, because you kind of did already. Would you ever consider moving beyond D and D as a focus, or would you be ask, happy? Yeah. Would you be happy staying there? Well, um, if you mean moving on from D and D to entirely separate topics, maybe. Um, if you mean moving from D and D to other role playing games, um, the audience is probably yeah. not there yeah. to satisfy the needs and desires of a trade publisher. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah. You know, so. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you're you're not the you're not the first. In fact, I, I in fact I think you said something along those lines to us the first time we chatted with you. But you're certainly not the only one, only only author with whom we spoke who said, "Look, there's a reality of the marketplace." I mean, you know, there's a bear in the room, and the bear is a lot of fun. But the market for D and D material is so big compared to anyone else out there. Right. Yeah, absolutely. But you, you but you'd perhaps consider doing things beyond the realm of RPG. Yeah. I mean, cool. I I am large. I contain multitudes. You know, I as as anyone who has and as anyone who has read my books can probably figure out. My interests are extremely wide ranging. I have a very wide and weird constellation of skills and interests, and um. You know, this is just one way I happened to manage to bring them all together. Mm -hmm. There might actually be even another one or a third, you know, who knows? That'd be pretty, pretty cool. There's just... more in heaven and earth than is dreamt of in your philosophy, Horatio. That's right. Yeah, I, oh, I'm sorry, Brad, go ahead. No, I was just going to go ahead and then I, 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 have, I have a question that's kind of more of a kind of a wrap up type of question. So. Well, well, yeah. Okay. So before, yeah, before we get there. Um, <laughs> Not that we so, have to wrap up now. It was just, no. it's, it's going to branch off a little bit. Yeah. I, I'm curious. It kind of goes back to Brad's earlier question in terms of your, your writing process, your creative process. So, you know, you, 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 you look at your entire corpus of writing and especially these now four books and 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 these four books with a, a, a large trade publisher and i'm 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 curious just you know peeling back that fourth wall if you will ha has your writing has your process has your workflow changed over these several books are there are there things that you've you find yourself doing differently to write better or or more enjoy it or i don't know maybe the opposite not so much. I mean, the differences that I described before, the difference yep. between, you know, what's essentially pure Gedanken experiment versus right. actual research writing. Mm -hmm. um, but really not that much because I have been a language professional in some capacity or another since 1993. Hmm. Um, you know, the real development of my writing took place during those first 10 years. 
Um, sure. You know, it was it was those years of working as a copy editor and as a writer of news and feature and opinion articles, mm -hmm. um, columns, including a column for a while about games and pastimes for an alternative news weekly. Um, all of that is, is really where my writing style and my writing process and my voice come from. Mm -hmm. Um, and so, and it's the, and it's the voice that I brought to the monsters. Know when I first started writing the monsters, Know. Right. Um, and, and I think that that voice has been a really crucial element in my ability to grow and maintain a readership because let's face it, some of the stuff I'm talking about is very dry and very <laughs> abstract. And if I weren't able to you know, bring a lively voice to it, nobody would want to read it. Mm -hmm. So, you know, the fact that people do want to read it, um, I attribute to um, my having my having this voice from the get go yeah. and 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 sticking with it and having some freedom as an outsider to um, to be reverent when reverence is called for and to be irreverent when irreverence is called yeah, for. Absolutely. Um, you know, I, th that freedom is precious to me and, mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. I think gives my work the energy that it possesses. Mm -hmm. um, and without that, I, I don't know if it would have the exact same energy. Yeah. Um, I think it would still be good, but it wouldn't have the same energy. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. Fair enough. Yeah. So obviously, you're, you know, you're doing what we were talking about before in terms of subclass work and all that. And you're kind of deciding what your path is now. A little bit of extra time, perhaps, on your on, <laughs> that you have probably haven't had before. We always tend to we've been I've been asking um, folks that join us, what's on your desk these days? What are you reading um, that? you know, or what's interested you or now that you aren't maybe writing as much, you know, like on my desk, I have this book. I'm mm -hmm. yours. Um, what do you have on your desk these days or what, or what's in your hand from a reading perspective? Mm. Um, you know, one of the things it's, it's funny because the same question came up in another um, interview I recently did. And um, I've been in this kind of uh, this kind of rough patch with reading where I've got a lot of books on my nightstand mm -hmm. and I'll get like a chapter or two into them and then feel like eh, this isn't really what I feel like reading right now. And I'll put it down. Yeah. And I've gone through four or five different books that way. Um, the last real page turner uh, that I, that I read just start to finish in like three days was NK Jemison's the world we make. Oh. And um, I have uh, I have Aaron M. Evans's um, Empire of Exiles um, that I just got, and um, I pre-ordered it. I got it on mm -hmm. the on the day it came out, and I'm nice. uh, a page into it. <laughs> <laughs> um, I need to I need to like you know dig in and dive into that one yeah um it's getting great reviews i mean i have i have no doubt wow. that once i like you know get my uh get my traction on it i'll, I'll mm. be um i'll be hooked um but yeah aside from those two man it's it's just been really really hard for me to get in the zone yeah. with yeah. um the things i've been reading um I have recently read and just absolutely loved the Dandelion Dynasty saga by Ken Liu. Hmm. Um, oh yeah, that I I love that series so much that when Saga said 
we've got some extra pages in the in the back of more monsters. What do you want to do with with these pages? You know, what do you want to fill them with? I said, put in an ad for Ken Liu. Wow, nice. Because I love those books so much. Um, really liked um, the final revival of Opal and Nev by Donnie Walton. Hmm. Um, just absolute home run of a book. Departure from from the other kinds of titles that I've mentioned. It's um, hmm. it's just contemporary fiction, but so so incredibly good. Um, as far as nonfiction goes, um, Prisoners of Geography, and I forget mm -hmm. the name of the author of that book, but it's, uh, it's subtitled 10 Maps That Explain the World. And oh. it's, um, it's Marshall, all about, it it's like. yes, Tim Marshall. It's all about, um, how the physical geography of countries and continents dictates so much about the way they behave geopolitically and um Ooh. i read this uh last year and the one chapter in it there's a chapter in it about russia and the thesis of it is basically for various reasons sooner or later russia is going to invade ukraine <sighs> And <laughs> it's a um it's it's a really exceptional book yeah i'm looking it up right i'm doing a brad and looking it up yeah, right that's now. what Thank that's you. why I, you see me kind of looking to the side yeah. it's not that i'm not watching i'm kind of as you're firing off i i know fascinating um, i think we talked about ken lu before i he was he's been on my radar but mm -hmm. but um prisoners of geography that actually, that actually is, see, I like, that's why I kind of asked the question because I yeah. always get these interesting. Um, yeah. I'm looking at the table of contents right now and I guess I know what I'm going to be ordering soon. So thank you for yeah. that. Yeah. The, oh, you're welcome. <laughs> Keith, seriously, thanks so much again for taking the time. I mean, we, we know you are very popular these days and man, are these books successful. I, 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 I just personally, I, I love having the privilege of knowing you this little bit, and then I can go to like any of the Barnes and Nobles or you know mm -hmm. larger bookstores around, and I always look. And for the past few years, your books have always been there, one or two, or sometimes all three, or hopefully now all four. And that's just the coolest thing. That's just the. I'm glad that those books are are getting around. They clearly must be because people are buying them. Mm. Yeah. 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 Well, Thanks. Yeah. Thank yeah. you. Thank you so much for joining us again. Um, we thoroughly, we both thoroughly yeah. enjoyed the book. It thank comes you. out oh, on yeah. a 29th, the, 29th, the day after mm -hmm. this drops. Congratulations ahead of time on book number four. Thank you may very you, much. May you find some clarity and peace of mind <laughs> as, as you move toward five, whatever that may be. We will be reading it. Again, even after re-listening to it myself, um, you know, you can take any of, of Keith's books and apply mm -hmm. and use that material in theory in any game you want to play. You can Absolutely. just, you know, um, change stat blocks and so on. But this book, and Keith even talks about it. Yeah, he does. You can, this this book has a lot of good 5e material, but it also mm -hmm. is potentially yeah. game agnostic as well. You can, yep. we've talked about using this in the context of Star Wars or oh. one ring or whatever the case may be. Oh, I mean, I keep, I keep circling back to Andor because the, the series, well, season one of the series just finished, right? Star Wars Andor. And I really, really enjoyed it. You still have to watch it. Uh, uh, and, and it's so apropos to what Keith wrote with DDR, as you call it, right? Detection, deterrence, response. I mean, looking at the Empire's approach to taking the galaxy through the analysis Keith wrote in How to Defend Your Lair, it's like, oh, and even, even some of the things like the character says to, you know, the, the Cassian Andor to paraphrase of, do you think they actually care what we're talking about? We, we don't even, you know, rate 
to them. They don't they don't have to pay attention, and so they don't. And I'm paraphrasing, and I'm purposely using Star Wars because it's so far afield from D&D. But like you said, Keith wrote this as a fundamentally different kind of book. And so just, I mean, I not to put the cart before the horse since the book actually comes out tomorrow, but I'm really looking forward to book five because I'm really mm-hmm. curious. I mean, truly curious. What is he going to do next that might be even farther away from the more tried and true tropes that that we're all used to? And I think, you know, like I said, we never ask for spoilers or anything like that. But even outside of recording, that's one of the first things we asked was was, you know, what's next on the docket? And Mm -hmm. and it's the the gears are already churning with him. So we're very hopeful that. you know, and excited about what he's going to be providing in the future. Although, although we don't expect him to come out with it anytime soon. I think we talked about this in the interview. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's had these four books in what, like five years or so. I mean, something ridiculous. Yeah. And I know he was very modest about it, but um, Keith, if you're listening and we hope you are, thank you again. And no hurry. No hurry. If it takes a few years for the next one, it'll be completely worth the wait. Um, as 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 I said when we were chatting off air, uh, as an academic, I think this book is something to be proud of academically. This isn't just a book about role playing. This right. is a book of scholarship. And mm-hmm. so uh, I truly, truly enjoyed reading it. Uh, and I, I really respect this one uh, as much as I enjoyed the other ones. Uh, I really respect what he did with this one. This is a different level. And and again, thanks to Keith. Thanks oh, to time. Cassidy as publicist. And thanks to Saga Press for getting us um, an early oh, copy so, so we could actually, we could actually, we had the, we had a great privilege in being able to get this yeah. and read this even before we talked with Keith. So with that, why don't we wander over to the GM corner? And you know what's funny is is we oh. got so. Uh, what do you what do you? Have? No, I, I don't know. I, oh, you just don't know where I'm going. Know, Brad's got yeah. the grin on his face. It's like okay, hold over the pause button. No, yeah, yeah. Get ready for the explicit button. <laughs> That's um, right. No, no, no. Actually, nothing to do with that. It. I cannot believe I didn't bring this up at the intro, but we were so we're so into the book, into the interview. Um, you were down here visiting last weekend. Yes. And you hadn't been down here in a year. So we haven't seen each other, even though we see each other on camera as we record this yes. multiple times a week. Yeah. And we talk almost daily. Yeah. Um, we were all together, you and I and and two of our friends together yep. for the yep. first time in a year. And got to socialize and enjoy and head out. Well, we should and- we should call out Brad uh Brad, I'm looking at you, Brian yeah. and Eric for a one off because they both well, they both download the podcast, and at least one of them listens to it. Yes. <laughs> yeah, and we don't have to pay them any sort of honorarium to download in any way, shape. Oh, or that's way. not what they told me. Okay, keep well, going. Well, I don't know if you're paying oh, them. I'm not. I, I'm not anymore. Um, yeah, but yeah, we got to we got to, and we we did spend some time talking about the podcast. But it was just, it was so good to have us all together. It was. I'll be perfectly honest. We didn't really talk a whole lot about role playing or anything like that. We I got mean, busy. In all fairness, when I came into town, the first thing you and I did was go to the gaming store. Yeah, but, yeah, but after no, after that we didn't. We yeah. we didn't. I mean, literally, you got here after a four, four and a half, five hour drive. Yeah, and I think you were in the house about 15, 20 minutes, and we were off in my car down to <laughs> well, the gaming store. Yeah. Which you know is funny because, as you know, and as we've talked about on the podcast numerous times, so. So as as this episode drops, uh, we here in the States just finished a four-day extended holiday weekend. That was lovely. Mm-hmm. Um, and I have made it kind of this tradition every, like, Thanksgiving weekend, like that Friday or whatever, you know where I'm going, to, mm-hmm. to, to stop at a friendly local gaming store because yeah. that's what I did with um with one of my wife's brothers and one of her cousins uh back in 16 when i thought 
to heck with this. I'm going back in. Well, 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 no, no, that you got me into Pathfinder. But didn't I'm, you look at it because your 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 brother in law plays it, doesn't he? Or oh, did? I wasn't. I we actually went. He he did or he does. Um, we actually went to the Fantasy Flight Games store because oh. that's remember that's just oh. up right. That's just you know that's just north of me, uh, up in Roseville or. Or is it Falcon Heights? Well, Roseville, and um, and I went and I think and I picked up I think the Edge of the Empire source book, right? A core rule book, excuse me. Anyways, and so since then I've made it a point. And this, well, I guess we're in the GM corner now. So this is my thing. This this year I didn't for the first time in several years. Uh, we've got a brand new gaming store literally in my neighborhood called Level Up. It's, I think it's their third store in the city. Uh, it's a nice store, friendly people, and I want to support them. But I thought, you know what? I don't need to go shopping on Black Friday this year. And, and I, I know what I'm going to say is just, is just, you know, madness. But I don't really need any RPG books right now. Oh I know. God. I, I mean, you can almost, you can, almost feel brad's credit card cringing um and i just trust me yeah i just i don't need anything i um i'm still waiting for the hard copy as are you of the star trek adventures starfleet utopia panitia uh source book and so i'm waiting for that hopefully next month um but that said you know I, i i i'll just finish with this and hit it over to you my friend um i texted you this i think just the other night uh did you ever play paranoia as a kid no and i forgot to respond to you but i saw that it was a Uh kickstarter so i i have the paranoia source book core rule book uh it's the second edition uh from when we were mm, we were preteens uh i have i actually have a character sheet that I created and uh and it looks like I was playing with our friend Scott but I don't think we ever actually played anyways I think it's a hilarious dystopian concept and yeah I when I texted you the other day as this episode drops this past uh extended holiday weekend I came across the kickstarter for paranoia perfect edition and it looks really funny um and it got me to the point of i started thinking well i'm kind of tempted to because that's sorry the kickstarter just closed i just there were like literally 12 hours left when i found it but um and nothing's going to be available hard copy until like march at the earliest and i don't want to wait i'm still waiting on a book now uh talking to you jim and uh and uh it wouldn't be an episode if we didn't call for jim out at least once. no no well yeah he's a good friend of the podcast and a good all-around guy um but i'm kind of tempted now on going back and picking up the most recent what is it the uh paranoia red clearance um i'm just a little tempted uh unless i can get my hands on starforge but anyways i did not whatever i did not go to a gaming store this past weekend i was very content to just work with what i have and i uh, as i told you before we were recording i was putting my attention into other other avocational pursuits how about you what's i i know kind of the answer to this but you already know because we kind of talked about you have a lot on your gm desk right now yeah so so um day after thanksgiving obviously the sales hit hard um yeah and so i actually um picked up a couple things from our friends at modifius um dun, dun, dun. there were three uh pdf adventures for dune desert flower um and then desert fall adventure and time becomes a narrow door those were pdfs nice. they're under five bucks for a pdf oh it's, man it, so um even if i print them out it's it's just it's you know for me with the cost of my toner and everything like that total cost with buying it, it's going to probably be like six bucks for each which for adventures i mean no brainer um and then i did pick up um on sale um the Agents of Dune box set and yeah. the uh, Game Master's Toolkit for Dune, which I hadn't gotten. So I've been I've been working on building up my Dune um, collection. With and the reason for that is um, after finishing through our Five E adventure and having um, 
interviews and such with 5e i just wanted to take a little breather and take a change because you and i've been talking about playing something differently mm-hmm. or playing mm-hmm. different a different genre just to keep things fresh because we play so often Har- uh, sarcasm intended yes, ha, ha, ha. Um, and, and everyone so, heard how well that went yeah yeah that really went well <laughs> I, i'm not going to be winning any dm awards um oh my god well but um between dune yeah um and um the one ring i have and i've mentioned this before i started digging in over the weekend on um what they call the um the strider mode which is for the one ring um rules for solo role playing with the one ring rpg which to me is absolutely fascinating so and this is through um drive through rpgs where i picked it up and mm-hmm, I, mm-hmm. I actually had it printed and wire bound so on my desk is, right now are those cool. two games those are my two games um and then i, I i'm still thinking that we should try it for just for something different i picked up the um marvel multiverse yeah um, we haven't yeah you we haven't talked much about that the play test um and it's from it was developed by and led by matt forbeck who we've had on the show yep absolutely um, is a wisconsinite just about an hour's drive south of me and it's a very small thin book i'm a marvel nut you can get it on amazon for um it, right now it's listed as seven dollars and 84 cents uh, these, these are the pdfs no the, no. no no that's the actual printed oh my god test rule book for yeah. under eight bucks it's actually more expensive to buy the kindle version than it is to buy the paperback incredible and now we should say lest lest we get angry email although no one emails us that we're recording we're finishing the the recording of this uh sunday night of yeah. the weekend so but you know but cyber monday these sales are probably going to continue aren't they so yeah and and there are a couple i won't I won't talk about them here because I'll talk about them at our next episode. Yes. Yeah. The damage will have been done to the pocketbook by then. But um, there's I a couple other good. books that I want to get. And um, just as a teaser, you and I have talked about it and we've messaged our friends at Green Ronin. Um, I really want us, this is kind of a teaser, much like we did with Star Trek for months before we realized we might as well, we would be better off actually <laughs> playing the game. Playing the game. But shocking, I still want to use Green Ronin's yeah, modern modern age. age. Yes, and you and I have talked about the idea of playing that in relatively current time, current tech. Nothing super sci-fi or high fantasy, but trying to take the modern age rules and make it a air quote real life game. Um, and that's one of the topics that came up when we were at the game store. It, so, that is, yeah, you brought that up. That's true. You brought that up right away. And as we go, uh, the only game that piqued my interest there was, and I didn't know it existed, and I can't tell you who publishes it because it's just off the top of my head. There is a G.I. Joe role-playing game. (laughs) And didn't pick up the book or anything, but it just fascinates me in a good way. Well, I mean, he was a real American hero. He was, and it was was a, that was the cartoon that was on for our generation. Um, You know, so... um, still want to look into that more i definitely can't afford it at this point but what why is that because of the purchases i have and will be making (laughs) (laughs) over that's honest over the over the the holiday weekend sales that are all going on that's fair so starting with modifius and moving to a couple other gaming companies but i need to make sure that the (laughs) the, i need to make sure that the the checks cash before i actually talk about them (laughs) so wait do you hear that do you hear that? Yeah, that's my Boing. wife yelling. That's my wife yelling at me to get out of the house. Oh, oh, so. that's yeah, unrelated but fair. Yeah. All right. On that note, everybody, uh, our thanks again to Keith for another fascinating uh, interview. Uh, and thanks as always to all of you for listening. You know the deal. Uh, oh, you know what? Before we wrap, let's just... talk about. We have to talk about. Yep. Yeah. yeah, Thank you. Sorry. Sorry, everybody. Hold on one more minute here. Not even, uh, Brad and I have been teasing this for a while, but, uh, but it's, it's coming now. Now, next week we have just, oh man, an absolutely fascinating, fun interview. I, um, 
I probably geeked out in terms of the content matter of next week's episode. You're talking about yeah. more. Yep, I hope so. More this is where I had. I had. Other. This is the one I had the internet issues. With, right? You had internet issues, so yeah. so Brad was which worked out. Which worked yeah. out because because it allowed you because you were you alone would have been more than enough. I was I all in. I so um we'll we'll say all we'll say is that it has to do both tangentially and directly with something and we're not going to make it obvious but you're really dancing around this we talk about this all of the time on this podcast so but but what we our really wives, want to just it's about having something to do with our wives mm, yes okay um pew pew uh so <laughs> uh uh what we want to just give everyone a heads up is that's next week but then in the two weeks leading up to the holiday season, uh, Brad and I are going to to run a two-part uh, series on mental health at the table. And so uh, we're going to diverge a little bit, go back to what we talked about like a year ago, because we think it's time. And we've been wanting to do this for for months and months. So uh, that's coming. Uh, we hope you will find those episodes to be of interest, perhaps even of benefit, perhaps even worth sharing with those who might not be at the table, but, but perhaps ought to be. And so um, more about that next week. As always, thanks so much, everyone. Be well, stay well. We'll see you next week.